You're listening to the Imperfect Pursuit Podcast, episode number 21. Today, I'm bringing you guys a really awesome guest interview with special guest Paula Maidens. Paula is a team building expert. Essentially, that means she helps business owners build really strategic, strong teams and teaches them how to lead their teams well. We talk about hiring, how to delegate effectively, whether you should hire family or friends, when to know it's time to hire and so much more. It is such a good interview. But let me tell you a little bit about Paula. Paula helps fast growing entrepreneurs build high performing teams so that they can scale with ease, get their time back and create the life they deserve. She's been a business consultant for over 10 years and for the past five years, she's been focusing on remote or online businesses. Before this, Paula was a corporate recruiter in London for a global recruitment firm. We crammed a lot of good content into this conversation and I learned so much about the art of successful delegating. So whether you guys are considering making your first hire, maybe you already have hired contractors or freelancers before, or maybe your business is just building traction and you know that you're going to need to rely on the help of other people in the near future, this episode is going to teach you so much about how to be a good leader, how to find the right people for your team, and how to ensure you get the best out of your team. I also just wanted to mention that the audio quality is a little funny in this interview. We had a few technological issues, which meant that instead of recording on our normal podcast recording site, we had to use Zoom. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but if you're recording your Zoom calls to the cloud, it doesn't actually separate the audio tracks. So it only gave me the one audio track with both of our tracks on the one track which made it really really hard to edit and I wasn't able to obviously customize the sound for each person you probably won't even notice and I'm probably just being a perfectionist let's be real but I thought I would just preface this episode by letting you know just in case you're listening and you're thinking the audio quality is a little different or if you notice my voice sounds a fair bit louder that is why and I do apologize but now I know that recording through zoom sucks but also if I do have to do it to not record to the cloud. Anyway, quick tip for you if you are also a podcaster and didn't already know that. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hey, welcome to the Imperfect Pursuit Podcast. My name is Sarah Luthi and I love all things marketing, money, mindset, and helping creative entrepreneurs pursue their purpose. Nothing in life or business is perfect, but I believe in the power of taking imperfect action and showing up with grace, authenticity, and intentionality. So if you're ready to imperfectly pursue your biggest goals and build a life and business you love, there is a place for you here. Guys, I am sitting here with Paula Maidens. I'm so excited to interview you, Paula. Welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to interviewing you. I haven't interviewed someone like you in the past, so excited to dive into the conversation around delegating and hiring. So before we dive into it, do you just want to briefly share your story, how you got started in the world of business and what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. I've probably got a little bit of a funny background or maybe a surprising one. I'm actually an accountant by qualification, um, which takes a lot of people by surprise. So I'm in the HR and business leadership world now. But what that accounting qualification does, it just means I'm a little bit obsessed with numbers. So I'm always encouraging my clients to like lean into their numbers to understand like the cost of a hire, when you can Mm -hmm. expect a return from that person in your business, et cetera. So I did start my life, um, you know, in banking and as an accountant, but I jumped across to recruiting in about 2004 um, over in London and quickly sort of scaled the corporate ladder over there um, in the head office of a corporate recruitment firm. In 2010, decided to come back to Australia and start my own business. But this time sort of, you know, changed the way I was recruiting and give business owners, entrepreneurs, the power back when it comes to recruiting. What I learned from that time in London in corporate recruitment is that a lot of people cross their fingers and hope for the best when it comes to recruiting. So I was like, no, you know, you can, you can learn this. You can get your power back. So in 2010, I started teaching how to recruit, um, you know, how to recruit right, what, what are the secrets to recruiting and put a little bit of a science behind that art of recruiting. And from about 2015, I sort of shifted my focus a little bit from broader corporates and working with all sorts of industries and businesses of shapes and sizes. So from 2015, working more purely in the online and remote team type of space, Mm -hmm. and in particular in that small growing business. So really that entrepreneurial space. And I guess the reason I shifted to that was because I saw the real impact 
positive and negative that hiring the right people versus the wrong people had on the business owner's mm. life. So not yeah. just business, like it affects so much, as you know, like, you know, if you're really stressed, you don't sleep. If you've, if you've got someone on your team, something you don't want to go into work anymore. So, um, so that's sort of what I'm doing and I've been doing for the last five years. And this is where I am today. Yeah. Amazing. So if someone were to meet you in an elevator, what is your elevator pitch? What would you, I guess, title yourself as? A team building expert. Team building expert. I love that yes. so much. Oh, there are so many wonderful things that we're going to dive into. So I'm excited. So you mentioned that you've um, had a bit of a background in corporate. I know you're also working with small businesses now. So obviously there are a lot of differences between these larger companies and smaller companies, but when it comes to hiring, I'm sure there are many similarities. So do you want to share if there are any, um, I guess, similar problems that both the larger companies and the smaller companies face? And if you can kind of speak into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody finds leadership a challenge. And whether you're in a large corporate or you're an entrepreneur sort of learning on the fly, leadership, recruiting, it's typically a learned skill. So mm-hmm. no one really wakes up or automatically is like this natural. And I know, you know, that term natural leader does definitely get thrown around. But, you know, learning to be a leader insofar as motivating and inspiring the people around you to deliver to your goals mm-hmm. and hiring people that will be able to support you to run your business the way you want it run and to achieve your goals is, is a challenge for almost everybody. And as soon as we sort of start to lean into that going, oh, okay, it's okay that I don't have all the answers. And then we start to think, okay, I just need to learn. I need to learn the right framework. It's I need to learn the systems. There's probably tools and techniques that I'm just simply missing here. The pressure starts to to drop a little bit from our shoulders. So I see that as being very common between corporate and small business. And I guess that whole concept that I mentioned before of crossing your fingers and hoping for the best, I see that happening across the board as well. Yeah, that's so interesting. So are you still working with a variety of different businesses in terms of the size? Are you still working with a variety of different businesses or are you kind of niching down to a specific kind of entrepreneur? Definitely niching down um, in the last couple of years, right down to your small growing um, Mm. business. So somebody who um, is sort of, you know, hustling to that first six-figure mark and moving beyond that six-figure stretching to seven-figure. That's my really sweet spot. Um, And I guess because I've been in corporate land, what I'm able to do is take those corporate concepts and translate them into practical bite-sized processes and techniques that apply and are suitable to much smaller businesses. So, for example, in a small business, you don't have time to have you know, long documents that nobody reads. Yeah. You don't have time to have a five-step process if a one-step process does the job. So it's really sort of taking those, um, you know, look, looking at the big corporates and all those businesses that I've worked with and thinking, well, what have they done really, really well? And then what do we need to change to make that work and be really effective in a much smaller business that's, you know, mm-hmm. often running on a shoestring budget? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, before we dive into the really juicy discussion all about hiring and delegating, I would love to just pick your brains and have a quick chat about systems and the importance of um, scaling with systems. I know that in our early discussions, you mentioned that systemizing can actually set us free. So I would love to hear your thoughts around that. Yeah, absolutely. So what I see is that many of us as entrepreneurs, and, and you know, I can talk from, from experience here as an entrepreneur myself, um, you know, I've had up to three businesses at once um, at the moment, thankfully, I've just got the one. But, um, <laughs> you know, I know myself that often when we become an entrepreneur and we start a business, often we do that because we're looking for something. Maybe we're looking for freedom. Maybe we don't want the nine to five. Maybe we want to be able to work from home. And often what we're also looking for is a little bit of freedom from you know, whatever sort of that caged feeling or that restricted feeling that many of us had working for somebody else. Mm. So what I see is that when we first start out in business, we're therefore um, resistant to this concept of systems. And Mm. whereas I'm obsessed with systems actually setting you free, predictability allows your customers, um, but for the purposes of today's conversation, your team to really outperform. Predictability mm. allows people to feel safe. Predictability, you know, when people know what to expect, what's required of them, 
that it gives them this sense of safety. People can stop worrying. They can stop looking at you thinking, oh, oh no, are you upset today? Have I done something wrong, et cetera. So predictability mm. comes from systemization. So when we get a, um, when we start to put systems in our business around how we communicate, how we meet, um, how we talk about when things are going well, how we talk about when things aren't going so well, then people are able to move through their role and simply focus on the result without looking for any indications of anything else. So for example, if you have a performance framework, which is just simply a, a promise, I guess, around you know, a communication so that if I see you doing something that isn't right, I'm going to let you know about it. And we're going to regularly talk about how you're performing your role, what's working really well, what needs to be improved. Then the person performing the role can actually just get on with it, knowing and trusting that we're going to have a meeting where all these things are going to be brought to the table. I can bring my things to the table. And in the meantime, I can just focus. Mm -hmm. So I guess this concept of systems for set you free is the predictability, the safety that sits in the framework. And the added bonus is that if you have this structure in place, you don't get interrupted quite so much. Yes. Because wow. people know that's when we're going to meet, that's when we're going to talk about it, and that's when I can bring my questions to you. Mm, I love that quote. I wrote that down. Predictability allows your team to outperform. Totally. That's amazing. I love that. So in terms of like systems and procedures, um, a little bit of background. I actually used to be a manager at the big chain that we're all well aware of, McDonald's. Oh. So I got a very... Um, you know, inside look into how, a, I mean, probably one of the world's largest companies um, relies on systems and procedures and um, how that kind of works. And it's interesting reflecting on that and working out how I can effectively take some of those lessons that I learned in huge, like a corporate chain and bringing that into my own very, very small business in comparison. Um, but it's so interesting when you hear about systems and procedures, I immediately think of how to make a cheeseburger. <laughs> like, <laughs> but ultimately, um, you know, whether you're making bracelets or you are running a multi-billion dollar company, procedures and systems are really, really important, especially if you are thinking of bringing on a team. So I love that. So when when it comes to like systems procedures, I know we hear SOPs a lot, standard operating procedures. Do you have any advice for someone who's listening who hears that? They know that they might need to start creating these systems, but just aren't really sure how to kind of start or start laying that out. Do you have any advice there? Absolutely. Start small and start now. So I guess if we go back to your example of McDonald's, where I actually worked myself as well when I was about 15, yeah, um, and it is such a great training ground, isn't it? So you'll know that when you start it, when you have your first day at McDonald's, they've got a really sort of set out procedure, I guess, Mm. that everybody that joins their business goes through. You walk in, you get your uniform, you sit down. I know I'm probably showing my age a little bit now, but we had to read a book, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So when somebody joins your business as a new employee or a new contractor or just a new team member, it doesn't matter, they're going to need a whole bunch of information about you, your business, why you do what you do and what you want them to do. So a really great way for everybody to start preparing even for that first day or for that first hire or the next hire would be to start to even just record little videos loom zoom about what you're doing and why you're doing it and that's something that you can literally do the next time you do a task that you'd ever like to hand over to somebody Mm -hmm. else or in particular I often suggest to people do it for the tasks that you're doing regularly because they're often the easiest ones to hand over yeah so for example if you're popping into your zero and you're reconciling your transactions just pop a recording video on and saying hey this is how I'm recording this is how I'm reconciling this is why I'm doing it like this this is my thoughts etc So any sort of recording of videos is a really easy way to start to compile that library of all the information that somebody might need to know when they join your business. Yeah, I love that. Is there any other way that people might, I guess, record or store that kind of information in terms of, I don't know, is like if they were to start a Google Doc and maybe just start documenting in that way, is that something that you recommend as well? Yeah, absolutely. So everybody likes to communicate in different ways. Some people like to type things out. Some people like to just record and talk. Um, So just do whatever's easiest for you. Mm -hmm. And then one of the hiring secrets is hire people that match that preference. 
Yeah. So if you, you know, if you're a spreadsheeting girl and you love setting up spreadsheets, then start to do that. So you get to lead in a way that's authentic to you. You get to set up the systems in your business in a way that feels easy for you. If you try to create systems that annoy you, that feel really difficult, then you'll never use them and they Mm. will never become part of the culture of your business. So absolutely, if you're a Google Doc girl, jump down into Google Docs, start typing out as you go, cut and paste some screenshots if you'd like to. Um, But yeah, just build it in any way that feels intuitive. Mm. Oh, that's really good. Alrighty. Well, I would love to start getting into more of the juicy part of our discussions. So a lot of our listeners who listen to the podcast are, I guess, what are considered micro businesses. So, um, you know, they're often solopreneurs. We have a lot of wedding professionals, virtual assistants, artists, designers who are listening to the podcast and they probably currently are either solopreneurs or maybe might be dabbling in hiring contractors or might be considering making their first uh, quote unquote official hire in terms of a permanent capacity. So how does someone know when they're ready to start outsourcing or if they're ready to make a hire I know it's a really scary decision coming from experience so do you have any advice there if someone is maybe feeling a little overwhelmed but they're really really scared to take that step how does someone know when they're ready to make that kind of commitment yeah absolutely so I often talk about the signs that it's time to hire in your business Mm -hmm. and there are seven sort of signs that come to mind and the first four um, are kind of quite sort of big, I guess. So let's jump into those. The first Mm -hmm. one I call bad energy. So that's if you are doing something in your business that just makes you feel really blah. Mm. Because, you know, starting a new business, we all know it's super exciting. We run on adrenaline, but that adrenaline starts to fade and we start to get tired. Um, You know, you can only hustle for so long. So we need to start to look at what we do and think, well, what's my zone of genius? What are the things here that are really fueling me? And so then the opposite being, what are the things that are really draining me, making me feel blah? So that first thing is, if there's something that you hate doing, really procrastinate over doing it, so I call that bad energy, that's a huge sign that you could look at maybe Mm -hmm. passing that on to somebody else. The second one is bored. So if Mm -hmm. you're doing something that you can literally just do with your eyes closed, you know, maybe you're watching a movie in the background, you're multitasking, something like that. So that's potentially a low value task that you're doing. And if you're bored when you're doing it, and you've done it so many times, you can do it with your eyes closed. It's likely to be very teachable to somebody else. So that's another great sign that it is likely to be something that you should consider handing over. The third sign is that you don't know how to do something. So say you've got a big goal, um, you, you know, you say you want to set up a new email list or you want to change email lists or you want a website or you want to take, you know, add a shopping cart to your website or there's something that you don't know how to do, yet it's you know, that function is required for you to achieve a business goal. That's definitely a huge sign that it's time to bring in that help. Mm-hmm. And I guess the fourth key one is the, another B, which is busy. So, you know, we can only run on adrenaline uh, for so long. And if you're feeling really busy, then you're probably lacking that time for that lovely creative headspace, which, you know, you definitely need in your business where the juices can start to flow. So they're the first four signs, I guess, of the seven. And then the the latter three are more about aspiration. So these first four are about how you might be feeling now. So then um, the the latter three being balance. So say you're feeling out of balance and you're feeling like this is not the right balance for me. I want more balance. Maybe you want to spend more time with your children, your dog, doing yoga, traveling, whatever it is. Um, Advice is Mm -hmm. the sixth one. So people around you are probably saying, you need to hire somebody. You need to hire someone. Now, I say that with the uh, proviso that we don't take advice from anybody, of course. So if Aunt Benny, <laughs> who doesn't know anything about business, is suggesting yes. it, maybe not. But somebody that you're trusted, a trusted advisor, or someone who understands your business is yeah. likely to be trying to give you the advice that it's time to hire. And then finally, if you've got big dreams, so that's mm. the seventh sign. If you've got big dreams, you know, big dreams need great teams. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Let me write that down. You know, That's we, amazing. We can't achieve the big things on our own because we suddenly get restricted as we all know by our time and capacity yeah it's so true and it's a battle that 
I feel so many entrepreneurs have to kind of wrestle with because we feel this pressure to do it all on our own. We start a business, we think, yeah, I can do this on my own. And we almost take pride in being a one woman show or a one man show, but ultimately we just can't scale on our own. That's something that I've learned and learning how to release control to people who can do it just as good as I can, or, or perhaps even better. So I love those signs. Those are really, really helpful. I think a lot of people definitely are mindful of the numbers is that a commitment they can make and obviously that's a totally other conversation and probably not really something that you can really discuss without knowing someone's numbers intricately and knowing if they're kind of in that position to to maybe do that but um I guess I did want to mention for anyone who is listening who um is maybe considering hiring is to just make sure that you're in a financial capacity to also be able to commit to um paying that person as well <laughs> yeah absolutely we absolutely need to be across our numbers and to know how much it costs to hire somebody yeah. um, and I guess there are two ways to look at it it is absolutely a cost to your business but we can look at it as the expense that's going out the door but we can also look at it as what are we going to gain yeah and one of the um, questions or the statements that I get new clients who are working with me to complete is if only I didn't have to do x mm then I could get on with what, why. Mm. And when you start thinking of it from a perspective of if I hand this over, what can I get on and do? And if the answer to that question is a revenue generating activity, then you start to get comfortable, I guess, with the expense going out the door because you're thinking, yeah. okay, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to be paying $20 for this, but I'll be working on something that can bring in 100 Yeah, absolutely. A really good friend of mine mentioned to me once, when it comes to outsourcing, it only makes sense if you actually use that time to do something else. And it may not even be in your business. Like, as you say, it may be to have more time in your personal life. But if you're just um, spending money and wasting that new time that you have, like there isn't really a point there. So I think it's important to kind of think strategically there as well. Like if I'm going to pay $100 a week for someone to edit my podcast or do whatever, what can I then do with that two hours that I, I now have each week and kind of thinking effectively about that and intentionally about that. Absolutely. And you can you can apply that thinking to people you hire into your business, but also people you hire around the home as well. Because yeah. often when we're starting businesses, you know, yeah. even getting a cleaner or a nanny or a babysitter or something like that can actually really help us as well. So that same, I love that thought process that you just talked about, because that can be like, okay, so if I have somebody taking my baby off my hands or, you know, mm -hmm. cleaning the bathroom for me, then what can I get on and do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this probably leads us into a really good question that I wanted to ask is all about mindset. Obviously mindset is so important when it comes to business. We hear the, the um, quote that business is 80% mindset, 20% strategy, which is kind of interesting, but would love to know if there is one or even more mindset shifts that you find people need to experience when they're going from I guess, yeah, solopreneur to then leading a team. And I guess it probably is back to that money mindset. So we need to shift away from the fear of spending money when it comes to yeah. hiring support around us. Um, and, if, and what I see happening is that we make a quick hire. We often do it when we're feeling overwhelmed, stressed, busy. We make a quick decision. We don't necessarily give it the thought it needs around exactly what we need, who we need, what success looks like, et cetera, let alone how much we're going to pay and how we're going to get that money back. And then a month or two in, we look at the bank balance, it's down a little bit, or we look at the, you know, the invoices that are coming in, if it's a subcontractor or the payroll, it's going out the door if it's an employee. And suddenly we freak out and we go back into that, oh, maybe I should be doing it myself. Maybe there's a cost yeah. saving here mentality. So I think the mindset shift that we need to make is it is going to cost money. We need to invest to grow our business. And when we start to see that as being the reality of growth requires investment and yeah. it requires investment in all sorts of different aspects of our business. But if we think of, okay, well, we need to invest in people to be able to grow. You need to get support around you to be able to grow. Then we start to think, okay, so I'm going to make a investment, but where is that return coming from? When can I expect it? What are the indicators that I need to look for to feel satisfied that my money's being well spent and I'm on track mm. to returning that investment? So that sort of planning, that strategic approach up front when we're hiring will really help you avoid the freak out down, down the track, I guess. So the mindset shift is around 
money, not, not, being, not being afraid of the money and planning for the money and considering it a strategic investment like you would investing $10,000 in a new website or $5,000 in a new website or, yeah. you know, $20,000 in, in stock, for example. So looking at it as a true investment and being strategic about it. Mm, I love that. I love the conversation around money mindset, especially when it comes to investing in our business, whether that's in team or in courses or whatever that might look like, I guess, removing that, that belief that it is a loss, as you say, and just kind of flipping that over on its head and, and seeing, all right, yeah, I'm spending X amount on this, but what am I gaining in return? And as you say, it can take time too. And sometimes we do need to allow team members or um, like what we might learn from a coaching program or whatever that is to, I guess, take root and allow that to, yeah, to really develop roots so that we can start seeing the fruit of that investment. Um, but no, I love the conversation around money mindset. And you bring up a really good point when it comes to investing, um, because sometimes when we think investing, we do think, investing in a coach, in a course, in a program, in a resource, but sometimes investing looks like investing in a team member to free you up to start doing those like higher level tasks. I remember um, I went on a retreat recently with a, with a business friend and I asked her, what are you hoping to invest in this year? And I was thinking like courses, is there anything that you want to invest in? And she said, oh, not really, but I want to start investing more in a team. And I just like found that really, really encouraging even for myself to hear that knowing that Sometimes we rely on these, um, I guess, these quick fixes that coaches or courses might try to promise us. But often what we really might need is maybe more time to start fulfilling those higher level tasks, which obviously then may mean releasing other smaller tasks to people who can do that and support you in that way. So really good conversation there. I love that. Well, a really um, interesting meaty question, which I know a lot of people would be interested to know. What are your thoughts on hiring friends or family? Something that I know maybe people might consider. It might start off, you know, relying on the free help of friends and family. But what are your thoughts on when it comes to paying friends or family to help you in your business? Are the lines a little bit blurry or is it something people need to be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So I think <laughs> that the answer is be careful. Yeah, <laughs> it can absolutely work, but treat it like any other hiring decision and be strategic about it. Yeah. Plan, take the time to have really great conversations, set really great expectations and discuss the exchange. I'm pleased you just said paid for um, mm -hmm. because one of the challenges that I see is if we're getting people to help us for free or through a barter system, it's very hard to have high expectations of somebody if we're yeah. not paying them. Yeah. So often we're receiving that help from that grateful energy. Thanks so much for helping me. I wonder, yeah. crossing fingers, I wonder if you'll be able to come back next week sort of thing. Yeah. Um, whereas when we start to pay somebody, we start to have a proper energy exchange and um, through the exchange of money. Mm -hmm. And that's when we need to start getting really clear and verbalizing, if you do this, I'll pay you this. Yeah. For what I'm paying you, this is what I require from you. And the clearer we can be with those conversations up front, the less tricky, uncomfortable conversations we're going to have down the track. So whether you're hiring a friend, a family member or a total stranger, you still need to be really clear on this is what I need you to do. This is what success looks like for you doing this role. This is the way I want it done in my business. This is the way I want to feel. This is the way I want my customers to feel. And that concept of what does success look like? So if you're handing over to somebody or you're asking somebody to help build out your social media platform, for example, you've got to really challenge yourself and be specific. So for example, do you want them to add 100 followers a month, 1,000 followers a month, 10,000 followers a month? Would you be really excited if it was only 100 or would it be 10,000? And this is this recruitment and hiring planning that often we race through when we're feeling really busy. So I know that there's a big temptation to hire a friend or a family. And I think that that temptation comes from the nervousness around the concept of moving forward. And somehow we allow ourselves to think, oh, it'll be easier or it doesn't feel as scary because it's a friend or because it's somebody from my family. Whereas actually it can become much trickier if we don't have an even better robust conversation than we would with a stranger, because that friend or family will come into your business with all these assumptions mm. that they will make about you and what you want based on their previous experience of mm. you. 
Mm. So you, if, you know, so say, for example, your mum comes in, your mum's will have all these assumptions about what she thinks you should be doing, what she thinks you're thinking, what she thinks the right way of things. We all know our mums all have these opinions, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so it would, if you can imagine if you hired your mum, you'd have to be so clear, you know, this is what I want done and this is how I want it done. And if particularly, you know, for this exchange of money, this is the result I'm looking for. Mm. So, you know, should you do it potentially, but be really, really clear and upfront with those conversations and then also agree check-in points. Let's see how this is going after a month and let's have a conversation about how it feels for both sides and yeah. give yourself an out <laughs> yeah. um, gracefully. Yeah, it's something that I think people need to navigate very carefully. Um, you know, not that I know anyone personally not that I can think of where something's ended sour but you hear of stories where people um you know they do hire friends or family or they go into business together and, and yeah it might end a little bit sour or something might come up and they kind of have to navigate that so I think it's just an interesting conversation I think ultimately people just need to hire the best person for the job and if that's your mom if that's your sister if that's your best friend like great if they're the best person for the job but if they're not you know you're, you're not there to to do them a favor by giving them a job you're running a business so you need to bring in the right people to fulfill that role and that responsibility um and i think as you say just communicating those expectations clearly and and even just setting up um yeah that expectation from the beginning that you will check in and you will provide feedback and perhaps even giving yourself i don't know a little bit of I guess a grace period, like kind of saying, let's give this a go for three months. And if either of us doesn't feel like this is working, you know, we, we have the freedom to say that's it. And, and it's not going to, to be awkward or anything, I think might also be a good conversation to have. Absolutely. And talk about the difference between your personal relationship and your business relationship. Yeah. And, you know, sort of talk about, so say, you know, if in a month's time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be really honest with you and let you know if this feels right from a business perspective. If in a month's time it doesn't feel right, I want you to know right now that it's not going to be personal. Yeah. It's just, you know, so, so, you know, if we have to have that conversation, so preempt that as well. Mm. I've, I've had a lot of clients come to me who are working with friends and family and it gets, um, you know, years on, it can get really, really tricky. So getting really clear on the, this is what I require from you from a business perspective and the conversations we have in the workplace you know, even if it's the virtual workplace, have got nothing to do with our personal friendship. And when we go bike riding or we go and do yoga together, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. For sure. And then also creating some great boundaries around that. So we don't talk mm -hmm. about it when we're at yoga. And, when, you know, when we're at work, we talk about work and we talk about outcomes. Um, so setting parameters around all of that, which, you know, let's be honest, this is probably starting to feel a little bit complex right now. So mm -hmm. it then links us back to, well, actually, is hiring a family or friend the easiest thing? Potentially not, mm. unless they're a really standout best candidate for the role, mm. then often it is much easier to set really great expectations with someone with a totally clean slate yeah. that you're inviting into your business. Yeah, absolutely. When I started my floral business, um, my best friend, she was kind of helping and in a really casual capacity. I wasn't paying her. She said, oh, I'll come around and help you prep flowers. And as my business was growing, I felt this tug in me thinking I, I can't, I can't rely on her anymore. Not in the sense that she wasn't reliable, but I didn't want to rely on her because I wasn't paying her. And as you say, it's that exchange of expectation and, and, you know, and she was essentially doing work. So I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to continue seeking her help I either need to pay her or I need to make the decision to find someone else and obviously pay them appropriately and I ended up making the decision to do that and she hasn't really stepped foot in my studio for a couple of years and that's fine and I'm, I'm glad I made that decision but it, it is something people I think need to be aware of and, and deciding if that's something they want to bring into their business if, if that person's the best person or if if it might be the best decision to start stepping into more of that CEO role and, and making those those decisions to hire external people so yeah I thought that was a really good conversation and something I think a lot of people would find in interesting for sure all right well I know that delegating is something that you are super passionate about we've touched on it a little bit already so I would love to have a conversation around this and ultimately how people delegate successfully I know you talk about the art of successful delegating so I want to dive into that how people can delegate effectively and ultimately to, to be a good leader within their business and, and lead effectively, um, lead their team effectively. So do you have any specific tips when it comes to delegating? Absolutely. So the three C's is what I teach. Love that. <laughs> Communicate, clarify, check in. Mm -hmm. so they're your three C's. So 
Great communication is the fundamentals of everything. That starts with you getting up and out of your belly what you want somebody to do and what a great job looks like versus a job that you're going to be disappointed with. And often, often we don't spend the time to bring it up, but you know, a week, a month into somebody working with us, we suddenly start to feel disappointed. And it's like, well, why are you feeling disappointed? What haven't they done? So we can think about that in advance. So in a month's time, in 12 months time, if we're going to be sitting here celebrating. Yeah. What have they actually done? And then communicating that really clearly from the outset. That's definitely the first step. The first C, communicate, great communication. Mm. And then the second one being clarify. Everybody who works with you and is here to support you is going to bring with them assumptions based on previous experience, based on trying to read what they think you want, et cetera, et cetera. So we need to allow space for clarification of those assumptions. So that may be when somebody starts to do the project or the task that you're asking them to do, they might be like, oh, I realized I've got all these questions that I didn't realize I had. Or it may be at that earlier handover stage. So if you're saying to somebody, these are all the things I want you to do, this is how I want you to do it, et cetera, allowing them the time to ask questions and say, so do you mean this or do you mean this? And I've done it like this before. Is that what you mean, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So the second really important step when it comes to the art of delegating is that clarification opportunity. And then the third one being checking in. So checking in and saying, well, how's it going? What can we measure? What can we look at? How can we review what you're doing? And then just setting that up in advance. So I'm going to tell you what's working really well. I'm going to tell you where there's some opportunity for improvement or, and I'm going to give you feedback. And everything I say is coming from the place of intending to support you to be the most amazing team member you can be. And if Love we that. have that framework up front and we explain it to somebody when they join your business, this is, this is the way I'm going to delegate your tasks. This is the way I'm going to share with you. I'm going to mm. let you know what I want you to do, give you the opportunity to ask some questions, then we're going to check in and talk about how it's going. Mm. Then suddenly it's a cycle of safety. It's a cycle of yeah. predictability that we talked about before. And it's just this lovely flowing communication framework that sets everybody up for success. Yeah. And I love that about, I guess, creating space in that relationship in a sense, because it is a relationship, creating space in that right from the beginning. If you have questions, like, please come to me, please clarify, or please allow me to clarify for you. And I guess allowing your team members to feel safe and comfortable to be able to do that, because it's going to be so much harder if they don't feel comfortable coming to you with those questions and they go off and they do it the wrong way, having to, having to then potentially mend um, a potential mistake or even mend that relationship if, if that's kind of been bruised there, is going to be so much harder than if you were to just say from the beginning, hey, if you have questions, if you need me to confirm or clarify something, um, you know, the floor is open. I have an open door. Like, please, please chat about those things. Um, it's something that I have definitely reflected on in the past as well when I've hired um, floral contractors and things. If um, someone hasn't done it the correct way and they've gone off ahead and they've made all these things, but they've done it the complete wrong way. And I've thought, ah, like how annoying. I'm never going to hire that person again. But then I kind of realized, well, actually, I didn't really, one, communicate exactly what I wanted from the start. And I also didn't tell them along the way, hey, can you please um, come to me along the way as you're designing and kind of show me what you're doing or come to me if you do have questions. I didn't really do that from the start. And, and I've definitely learned that the hard way as well, <laughs> having to then go back and remake everything they did. Oh, so that's yeah. really good um, advice about, yeah, communicating, clarifying, and then creating some kind of system to be able to check in and, and quote unquote measure those kinds of, I guess, in business world KPIs, but, you know, measure what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the stepping into the CEO, the stepping into the leadership element of all of this is preempting that there will likely be questions. So yeah. for example, when you hire, you know, your first sort of the, your, your florist to join you on their first day, explain to them what you're after and then saying, hey, we're going to chat about 11. Yeah. You know, putting that in the diary in a preemptive way that you, you're likely to have questions. And if you don't have questions, what I'll be doing is reviewing what you're doing. And then we'll yeah. be checking in again at five o'clock. So almost putting that framework in place, knowing mm -hmm. that you may not think you've got questions, but what I don't want you to do is find yourself in a position where you're not sure if you should ask. So here's a time mapped out in the diary, yeah. which allows even the silliest tiny question to come to the surface. Yeah. So that's sort of part of that systemization sets you and your team member free because by even just having it marked out, a time set in advance, 
it's the space. It's actually what you, exactly what you just said. It's the space set there ready will actually allow things to come to the fore that otherwise, you know, so that nobody needs to weigh up and go, oh, is this a big enough question to ask, to bother you, et cetera. Let's put it out there. Let's just get everything on the table. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, one of the last questions I have before we start diving into some rapid fire questions, I just want to have a discussion around finding just finding the right people. Obviously, it's a really big discussion, a really big topic. And hiring is a really huge decision. And finding that perfect person, we call it the unicorn person, can be um, seemingly impossible at times. But obviously, it's really important to make sure we are hiring the right people and not just the first person who, who applies. So do you have any advice on how business owners can maybe be a little bit more proactive or potentially um, sift through multiple applications so I guess there's two questions there so one how do they start finding those people and then two how do they um, make the, the decision when they're selecting the best candidate yeah awesome okay so hiring the unicorn so finding that amazing person starts with being really clear yourself on who you're looking for and yeah. what you want them to do so it does start with that really great um, advertisement and I guess it doesn't need to be you know, the best sales piece document in the world um, or, you know, but it just needs to be clear. Like I'm looking for somebody who can do this. Mm -hmm. um, if you're like this, if you have these characteristics, if you want to join a business that looks like this, um, if you're the sort of person who likes this, this is not right for you, et cetera, et cetera. So getting really, really clear, this is what I need the person to do. This is how I want them to do it. And mm -hmm. this is why they're important to my business. So putting that out in a really clear way is the first step. The power of social media these days is amazing. So just putting it initially on our social channels, asking everybody to share and tag, popping it in groups that we're in is a really, yeah. really great way to start in a way that's free. Mm -hmm. And I guess the, the little secret, which I want to share with you, is at the bottom of your application, you want to tell people how you want them to apply in a way that makes it easy for you to see if they're going to be a match for you. So all the way down the bottom of the advertisement, you might say, if this sounds exciting, what I want you to do is and give them an action. So yeah. do you want them to send you an email? Do you actually want them just to record a video? Do you want them to pop into your, to your store with a bunch of flowers that they've made? Like <laughs> what is it that you would like them to do that is going to show you really quickly, does this person have my must-have mm. criteria or skill set um, to really make the hiring process efficient for you? Mm. I always like to get the person to do a little bit of work. So in other words, don't just send me your, your, your general blanket CV, yeah. um, answer these four questions, put it in an email to me, et cetera. And those questions are really tailored for my role. So you make it easy for me to see specifically how you've got what I need to be right for me. Yeah. And so that initial process will make the people who aren't quite right or can't be bothered not apply. Mm -hmm. It'll make the people who are interested do a little bit of work already. Mm -hmm. And if you pop in those questions, something like, um, you know, some, some questions around attention to detail or give me an example of a time when you've made a really big improvement or tell me about, um, you know, a, a, a floral engagement that you're most proud of, what made, what made it amazing, what was your role in it, what made you feel proud, et cetera, so that the, something pops out at you and you can really quickly put people in a, no or a maybe pile and go mm. from there. Wow, I love that advice about making it clear at the bottom of the application what you want that next step to be. And not that it's going to be relevant for every single business, but I actually love the idea of getting your applicants to submit a video. Um, because I mean, with any job, you're going to interview them at some stage and you can tell a lot by how someone communicates and, and speaks. And of course, they might speak a little bit differently if they're speaking to a camera versus directly to you. But I think that's a really good piece of advice, particularly if it is more of a relational kind of role or um, does require a little bit more customer service. And you do want to just kind of see how they present themselves that might be important to, to your business. So that's really good. And just making it deciding what is that I guess the call to action in a sense going to be for that applicant like what do you want them to to then do to help you sift through 
yeah. potentially a lot of applications. But no, what you said at the start as well about leveraging social media, putting it on your Instagram stories, in Facebook groups, getting people to share and tag, I think is a really good way to start. And a lot of people can definitely um, come through that way. And that's how I found a lot of my own floral contractors is honestly just putting it up on Instagram stories. Hey, looking to build our um, freelance team for the year to help with events. DM me if you're interested in less chat. And yes, yeah, it's amazing. The power of social media. So a really good place to start. Absolutely. And just the key there is getting them to reach out to you in a way that's really easy. So if you don't mind yeah. people DMing you, great. But if you actually you know, want it to go to a separate email that you can yeah, actually sure. see on your phone, then then do that. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you want somebody to attach a picture of a, a floral arrangement. Like what can they do in a way that's really easy for you? Because it gets to be easy for you. It's, yeah. it's a unique business and you're in charge. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, another, I guess, um, what you call it? A hoop that people sometimes make people jump through and something that I've actually done when I've applied for a role before is completing personality tests, which I find really fascinating. And obviously that depends, will really depend on the role. It may even be more of like a phase two kind of of the hiring process. But um, I found that really interesting if you are looking for a very specific kind of personality. Um, yeah, potentially bringing in some kind of personality test to see if they're the right fit could be really helpful as well. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, I love this conversation so much. We have talked about so many things, covered a lot of ground. Before we dive into my last few rapid fire questions, I would just love to know if there's anything else that you want to share that we haven't quite covered yet, something that has come to mind that you want to share before we start wrapping this up. I think I just want to encourage all your listeners just to back themselves and their their big dreams and their future businesses. Yeah. So, you know, look beyond where you are now and look where you want to go and and know that you can get there and hire mm. accordingly. So, you know, don't sort of hire for to the to the current bank balance. Hire for yeah. the business that you want to have and really set your expectations for the support you need around you high and you'll find that you and everybody around you steps up accordingly. Mm, I love that. Such good advice. Well, a question I always ask as part of the podcast, obviously it's called the imperfect pursuit, all about overcoming perfectionism. So I would just love to know if there is a time in your own business that you decided to take imperfect action and, and what did this look like? How did it pay off? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like most of the actions I've taken in my business <laughs> fall into that category. I'm one of those people, I think, where if I waited for, to be ready, I wouldn't really ever do much. Mm. Um, you know, I, I do have a bit of a tendency to try and make things mm-hmm. perfect and whatnot. So I have to definitely push myself a little bit to leap, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, you know, but definitely launching my first group training program Mm-hmm. Um, was something specific that I did last year when I didn't feel very ready. And in hindsight, it was really interesting. I launched it in February. I didn't have what I considered to be, you know, big enough list. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hadn't created all the perfect content yet. I had a sort of a skeleton, you know, I hadn't sort of, I wasn't as prepared in my brain as what I would like to have been, but I thought let's just get it out there um, and, and learn from the experience as I did it. And I guess I'm really pleased because I ended up running that program the beginning of March when, of course, COVID started to change our world. And by taking that imperfect action and moving forward, I was able to go through this huge, amazing learning experience, which then set me up really well to create a program that just sits there for anybody to be able to learn when they want to. So I was able to sort of Mm. learn through the students that joined the group. Um, So definitely an example of just leaning into it not being perfect and Mm. it being okay to learn um, through the experience. Yeah, I love that example so much. I definitely find a lot of, um, yeah, educators or people more in that service-based industry um, definitely tend to wait for it to be perfect till they have the perfect course content, the perfect coaching program content. But knowing that you have you have what you need to be able to help other people. Like you have it right now and you're ready to start helping people. So why not start leaning into that, stepping into that now and allowing that to help you build the content for your next program course, whatever that looks like. So I really love that. Alrighty. Well, I have um, just three rapid fire questions before we talk about where people can find you. So I would love to know if there is a podcast or a book that you're reading that you would like to share with our listeners that you're really loving at the moment. Yeah, I'm really very into all Lisa Messenger's books. So she oh, cool. um, she is a, an entrepreneur who has, um, you know, sort of been 
has quite a few businesses and she's actually had a magazine and she had to pivot all these sorts of really <laughs> interesting things. So she's, I love learning from other women entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, so any of her books are fantastic, but her, the one I love the most is risk and resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another one around life and love, which is all about sort of, you know, bringing your feminine and into what can sometimes feel like a masculine way of working, being an entrepreneur in business. So I love Lisa Bessinger. I love that. Awesome. And we'll link that in the show notes for anyone who is interested and and might've forgotten. We'll pop that in the show notes so you can check that out. Is there a tool or a program or a resource that you're loving at the moment that's helping you in your business? Canva. I often look at Canva and think, how did we all survive before Canva? (laughs) Right. What did we do? Did we, did people just use like Google, what, like, um, what's it called? Microsoft Word and converting it to PDF. I feel like that used to be the Canva back in the day. I know. I must think, you know, if I was able to look at my images from even five years ago, goodness gracious, they wouldn't look anywhere near as glossy as what they do now. So Canva is actually my number one favorite tool. Absolutely. And even if you're not overly creative or you're not great with design, Canva makes it so easy. So love that. And last but not least, what are three things that are bringing you joy right now? Well, the the three things that bring me joy in general are travel, yoga, and my little family. Mm. We're not getting to travel that much at the moment, (laughs) but um, but what but what I do tend to do is try and find little mini adventures wherever we can, even if it's a new coffee shop or a new suburb or somewhere that I haven't been to before. um, Sort of bringing that little that discovery element into our lives. So I suppose if you were to put me on a little mini holiday, ideally at the beach doing yoga with my little family, then I would definitely be in my happy little bubble. I love that. And I love what you said about just learning how to just discover. Even in our own city or town, there are always these beautiful little nooks that you wouldn't even realize were there. So I love that and kind of building that into a lifestyle. um, I think it's really special. So that's great. Okay. Well, do you just want to share with our listeners how people can find you and connect with you? And I know that everyone who has listened today will just be obsessed with all of the content and wisdom that you are sharing. So how can people continue to follow you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me over on Facebook, Paula Maidens Building Awesome Teams, mm-hmm. or on Instagram, my Paula Maidens Consulting account. Um, I've got a little um, freebie for everybody if they want to grab. If you are thinking about hiring, I've got a hiring checklist that you can download from my website, paulamaidens.com forward slash hiring hyphen checklist. That's just all the little things that you need to go through and tick off to feel really confident about making mm-hmm. that um, leap. But yeah, come and join the conversation. Or find me on Instagram or Facebook. I'd love to chat to you. Love that. And we'll link all of those links in the show notes too. So you don't need to worry if you've forgotten, we'll pop that in the show notes if you want to connect in those places. But Paula, it has been so great to chat with you. I'm so glad we had this interview. I know we had a few technological problems at the start, but we got there. So I'm really glad we pushed through. It was a really good conversation. So thank you so much for your time and sharing your beautiful wisdom with our listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss future episodes. And while you're at it, if you'd like to leave a five-star rating on iTunes, I would be so grateful. This lets me know what kind of content you're loving so that I can keep creating valuable content for you in the future. It also helps this podcast to find its way to the ears of other creatives just like you. You can check out the show notes for links to everything that was mentioned in this episode or head to my website www.sarahluthie.com for more information and some cheeky freebies. Thanks again for being here friend. I am so grateful for you and I'm cheering you on as you imperfectly pursue your purpose.